Thank you. <laughs> How many could use some uh, wisdom in your life? Oh, yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about wisdom today. And, um, uh, you know, we have in life, we're always faced with situations that uh, sometimes they catch us off guard. And we're, our mind inside, on the outside, some of us can keep it calm, you know. But on the inside, we're like, oh, no, what in the world am I going to do? And uh, the Bible has a book specifically designed to teach us wisdom, and I want to look at that with you today. It's the book of Proverbs. How many of you have read the book of Proverbs before? All right. Now, um, the book of Proverbs is not the most theological book in the Bible. It doesn't really teach a lot about theology, which theology is the study of God, but it gives us the practical day-to-day, situation-by-situation uh, ways to live life in a way that produces, um, you know, good results, all right, good results. And so I love the book of Proverbs. So we're going to look at that, and I'm going to call this mini-series Your Smart Guide for Living. Proverbs is your smart guide for living, okay? I don't know if you've ever bought a new tool, uh, a new car, uh, went to a, like a dance class, or started a new sport, or a new activity, um, but anytime that you do anything new at life, it takes a while to figure out how things work, how to do things right. Uh, you start out, uh, I remember years ago, I told this story before, but years ago I used to play basketball, and because I was a little guy, uh, and I always wanted to be taller and bigger, but I was really little, and I was so little when I started that I used to have to use uh, my right hand and my left hand to shoot the ball to get it high enough to the basket. So I used to, I developed this terrible habit of shooting with this hand and my thumb. Because I needed that extra strength. And uh, that was good when I was little, but when I got bigger, it was bad. It was bad technique. And so um, I remember I couldn't break that habit, and I, I just kept having that habit. Even in high school, I played basketball, and every once in a while, that little thumb would get in the way, and it would cause a little side spin instead of the proper spin. And it just bothered me. But when I was in college, I was playing basketball with some buddies, and one time we were playing, and I, I got something called a boxer's jam. You know what a boxer's jam is? It's when you shove your hand really hard into something that doesn't move, and your bone breaks. So I broke this bone on my left hand, and I was so, you know, I was, I, for about six weeks I couldn't use this hand, but I still wanted to play basketball. So I'd go to the gym, and I'd just bounce the ball, flip the ball up, and shoot the ball. And over the next six weeks, I actually learned how to shoot the ball right because I never used my broken hand. And now I'm a professional basketball player. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You guys know I'm not. Anyway, it did improve my, my game. And I think about life, and God wants you to succeed. How many of you know God wants you to succeed? Okay, God loves you. He made you not to torture you. He made you to be successful, to be healthy, to be prosperous, to be happy, to be wealthy. Um, you're a king's kid, for crying out loud. So he, he wants you to be super filled with life. And so uh, the idea of the Bible is it's an instruction. In fact, that's what the word for the Bible means. It's Torah in Hebrew, Torah. And it literally means instructions or teachings. But it's translated law. And we have a negative connotation with that word, don't we? We think of law kind of like this. You better do that or, or else, right? Like a legal uh, courtroom, and you better do that, and if you don't do that, the law is going to, you know, but that's not what the heart of the Bible is. Um, it is instruction so that you can live life to the full. So I want to share with you a little bit about Proverbs, and we're going to look at this, and the motivation here is to get excited about how to get good at life, how to learn how to squeeze the most life out of life, like to actually have life. And Proverbs is one of those practical books that teaches us how to do that. So if you have a Bible or if you have your log notes, you can read along with me. I'm going to read the first six verses of Proverbs chapter 1, which tells us who wrote it and what the main purpose of the book is. Okay, so here we go. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Does anybody know who Solomon is? You guys remember Solomon? The Bible says he was the wisest man who ever lived, except, of course, for Jesus. Remember, anytime a pastor asks a question, just say Jesus. You'll always be right. So, it's the smartest guy ever, ever. 
God gave him that gift of wisdom because instead of asking for money or power, Solomon asked for wisdom to uh, rule the nation well. And God said, Solomon, I'm really impressed because you didn't ask for this. You didn't ask for long life. You didn't ask for money. You asked for wisdom. That touched my heart. So I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to give you long life and money and you know, wealth. And I'm going to bless you. So he got it all. It reminds me, if we put God first, what will happen? If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to us as well, right? All right. Okay, so let's go on to verse 2. Four, here's the purposes. There's like nine different purposes here, okay? They're all kind of the same thing, but he says this. Here's the purposes. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life so that you know what to do, what, how to do what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to the simple. The word simple in Proverbs uh, is another word for like um, a fool, like a simpleton, someone who just doesn't know much, okay? So it's to give um, prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So there's a lot of good purposes here. Let me just repeat them one more time. To gain wisdom. How, you, how many of you could gain some wisdom? All right, we need to gain some wisdom. Uh, not that we want this, but we need it to gain discipline. Discipline is the way uh, to prosperity. To gain understanding, to acquire a prudent life, so that no matter what situation you're in, you know what to do, what's the right thing to do, you know what the just thing to do is, and you know what the fair thing to do is. This wisdom comes from God. It doesn't just come from you or your, your uh, intellect. The Word of God will give you the wisdom that you need for every situation that you face. Do you believe that? All right, and so the more that we uh, lean into God's Word and become disciples of his word, the more wisdom will flow out of our hearts in those situations, even when we don't know what's coming sometimes. Um, to gain knowledge, to gain discretion, to grow in learning, to gain guidance. And I want to sh share this because it's really important. It also mentions here, did you mention that, uh, did you notice that phrase where it says, for the young? And I want to talk to the young people here for a second. All teenagers in the house, okay, college, college age students, listen, all of us older people, there's so many things that we say this all the time. Boy, I wish I would have known that 20 years ago. Anybody say that before? I wish I would have known that 30 years ago. I wish I would have known that yesterday. <laughs> because um, wisdom is so valuable. It's so valuable in life. It can change your life so dramatically if you're walking in wisdom than when you're not walking in wisdom. So the opposite of wisdom, and the book of Proverbs really contrasts these two quite a bit. The opposite of wisdom uh, is a word that you'll find in the Proverbs a lot. It's the word folly or foolishness. They're just opposite. So when we say someone is a fool, it's not necessarily an insult. It's, it is the opposite of someone who is walking in wisdom, though. It is. So it's not a good thing. Uh, it's not meant to just just flippantly, you know, insult somebody. But when the Bible says uh, someone is a fool, it means they're not walking in God's ways or God's wisdom. And it has consequences. So as a teenager, as a young person, a college-age person, the younger you are, the more important it is for you to begin to study, uh, memorize, meditate on, think about the book of Proverbs. Okay, and what I love about the book of Proverbs is every uh, day, this is what I do, Whatever the date is on the calendar, that's the chapter that I study that day. Uh, because there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And I just think it would be a great lifelong habit for you. to you can read, like for me, I read a little New, New Testament, a little Old Testament, and then I read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Because I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I want to live a life of wisdom. And uh, when I do, and uh, so far, where are we at? January, February, March, April. So I'm, you know, working through the Proverbs four times already this year. So I'm, I'm reading them, and I'm reading them, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, yesterday. Boy, I wish I would have handled that a little differently. Or 
oh, I'm glad I remembered that in that situation because I have been studying that and I handled that differently than I probably would have. And so it's constantly bringing that wisdom before me so I can, you know, live that kind of life. So if you're a young person, I want to encourage you to study the book of Proverbs. It will make a huge impact on your life. And parents, you know, it would be a good idea maybe to discuss the book of Proverbs. The Bible says in Proverbs, this is for the young to learn, to learn how to do life the right way. How many of you would rather learn to do it the right way the first time than to, you know, go through the stumbles and the mistakes and the heartaches and the problems that we create when we don't live in wisdom and we, we're just doing the best we can, but it's actually foolishness. So let's look at a summary here of just an outline of the book of Proverbs. I just want to give you a, a big overall picture. It really contrasts the, the, a life of wisdom with a life of folly. Over and over again, as you read the Proverbs, you'll see that theme played out verse by verse, sometimes very specifically. And we have this, uh, this comparison going on. What does wisdom look like? What, is it, what does it mean in this situation? How do you handle this situation? What do you do? What, do, what don't you do? And this is wisdom. And what are the results of living a life of wisdom? The Proverbs will tell you that in, in, in all of the summary here, the life that, or, or the, uh, the results of wisdom, when you live in this, the results is life, basically. I'm just summarizing this. But when I say life, I'm saying stuff like health. I'm thinking of things like wealth, of joy, of prosperity, of riches, uh, of of high quality relationships, of a high quality of soul experience, such as your emotions, like Dave was talking about. Like you can have joy, you can have peace. And when you live a life of wisdom and you begin to let God help you learn this and put it into practice, your, your experience is going to be more life. Okay? And the other, other summary of walking out a life in folly or living in a, a life of folly, again, the overall idea here is that produces death. It produces things like poverty. The Bible says in Proverbs quite a bit how laziness leads to poverty. And laziness is foolishness. And when you don't take care of your responsibilities, then you lose. You don't have wealth. You, you know, that, that's a bad style to live. And it, and, it, and it causes you to not have anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, you're, you can see in the Bible when you have uh, a, a conflict and you answer with anger or wrath, the Proverbs say that's going to make it even worse. And so you have a relationship that's now broken instead of living it in wisdom and covering that, that uh, situation with grace and love and having a gentle answer. That's a wise way to handle it, and it produces life, and it restores the relationship. And time and time again, the Proverbs have just given us very detailed examples of how to live our life. Uh, Doug, are you back there? Yeah, would you kind of make your way up here? And uh, so when, when God speaks to us, he speaks to us in a multiple uh, variety of ways. He speaks to us through his word, like we're going to look at today. Sometimes he speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. This morning in worship, maybe God spoke to you uh, in a word. Where's that microphone at? Do we have the microphone? You can come on up here, but I'll just let you borrow mine. <laughs> um, Okay, and, uh, and so God also speaks to us through one another, and this morning uh, God gave a word to uh, Doug. I just wanted him to share it and take a second to listen to it. Um, as I was uh, on my way to church this morning, uh, the Lord spoke to me that there's at least a few people here that are holding something against another person, and it may be something that they did to you, it may be something that they didn't do to you. It may be something that you were expecting uh, them to do, but they didn't do. But you're holding that against them. It might be something like three or four couples got together and went out to church or went out to dinner, and they never asked you. And uh, you're holding that against them. And uh, they, they, they probably are totally unaware that you're doing this. And they really may not have to apologize for that, but you are holding it against them. And you need to let that go. 
It is as simple as just saying, I'm not holding on to that anymore. God, I'm giving that to you. In fact, <laughs> when I got that word from God, I was driving by the dump on M57. And I thought, that's a good place for that. Just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that right in the, in the dump. And in some cases, you may have to actually forgive somebody for, for something they did. Um, the forgiveness is not about them. It is about you. And, uh, you know, and so um, it, in either one of those cases, you either let it go or, or you just say, I, I, I'm, I'm choosing to forgive them. And you don't have to tell them. They don't even need to know that's going on in your life. But this is something that you need to do. And Satan will come back and say, hey, they went out to dinner and they didn't even tell you. And, uh, and so you've got a choice. Am I dwell on that or am I just going to let that go? And one kind of hint that something I've done over the years is when Satan's kind of bombarding me with those thoughts, um, I start praying for other people. And it's amazing how Satan says, whoop, I'm not going there. I'm getting out of there. It's the last thing I want people to do is start praying for other people. So um, this will help in your freedom in your walk with Christ. Amen. Thank you, Doug. So... Um, the reason I asked him to share that was because, first of all, it's something that we're going to uh, respond to right now. And how many of you know church isn't about like uh, a man's program? It's about God's presence and God's power. We're all here to meet with God. If we don't meet with God here, uh, you know, then what are we doing? So we're going to take a second right now just to respond to that. But the second reason I asked him to share at this moment is because this is an example of what I'm talking about today with the book of Proverbs, okay? As he's speaking, then a proverb came to me, and some of you know this. It's Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart, okay? For it is the wellspring of life. And that sounds like a nice, a nice proverb, okay? That's a nice, cute little proverb. But when you meditate on the, on the Word of God and you meditate on these types of principles, then God begins to teach you wisdom, and when you hear a word like that, it reminds me we have to be proactive about cleansing our own heart if we're holding something against someone else, right? Because it, it, it will be life-giving to us if we forgive, even if they don't even know that they did something to us. But if we're holding, it on, uh, holding on to something, that harms us, that hurts us, and it puts uh, you know, a little animosity or a wall between us and the other person, and they don't even know about it. Do you hear what I'm saying? So the Word of God is there to teach us how to walk out wisdom and experience life. If we reject God's Word and His way of doing things, now the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the world says if someone hurt you, you hurt them. The wisdom of the world says justice, right? Someone did something to you, you do something to them. But that's actually foolishness according to the Scriptures, that doesn't heal your heart. And so the wisdom of God is to forgive and release. Amen? All right. Let's, let's just take a second and do that. Would you please bow your heads, please, this morning? And if you have, uh, if God was just speaking to you when Doug was up here, and there's something that you need to decide just to release, okay, we're going to take a second to do that right now, okay? And I'm going to ask you just to, to pray along with me and uh, whisper these words. Uh, in your own specific situation, okay? God, right now we come to you and thank you for speaking to us this morning that you love us so much that you don't want us to carry this baggage any longer. It's been hurting us. Our heart's been hurt. Uh, some of us have felt rejected. Some of us have felt anger. Some of us have felt depressed just because of the different situations that we're thinking about. But, Lord, you love us so much, you don't want us to be living in that anymore. And so today, right now, Lord, with a specific situation that you put on our heart, we now forgive this person or these people. We release them now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I ask that you bring healing into our hearts, set us free, and let us experience your life and your fullness. We pray for the, the people or the person that hurt us or just neglected us or rejected us. We pray, God, that you bless them. According to your word, we pray for them, that you bless them, 
and you, you touch them, and you help them to walk uh, in a path of life in fellowship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, and so that's what we do. This is how we do it. This is how you experience a transformed life. We're never going to just talk about the Word of God. We always need to put it into practice, right? Um, so the book of Proverbs talks about this, this, uh, this comparison. But the other thing that I, I wanted to point out is that it's not just about life and death, uh, wisdom and folly. It also talks about things that we are to do, um, and I'm going to say do up here, to, in my opinion, to unlock the blessings of God. Um, when I was shooting my basketball wrong, I was doing something wrong that was creating uh, an extra spin on the ball that would affect my accuracy when it would touch the rim, okay? Instead of a shooter's touch, I had some other kind of touch. Okay, so the idea is the, the scriptures are how, trying to train us in how to live life, okay? So there's things to do. And so if you look at any coach in any discipline, they're trying to teach their athletes <clears throat> from the very fundamental beginnings of that sport or activity the right way to do things. Because they know if you get these things in the right order, then the success will be there in the long run. You hear what I'm saying? So the Bible is saying, this is how you do. This is what you do. This is how you do it. And on the other side, it's kind of a two-pronged approach. Here's what you do. And here's what you want to avoid, okay? Or this is what you don't want to do. You want to avoid this. And you'll see in the Proverbs very clear, very specific instructions on what to do, what not to do, or what to avoid, or what to stay away from. Just like we do as parents and grandparents all the time for our kids, right? No, 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 don't do that. No, do it this way. No, I want you, no, I want you to start doing this. No, we're not going to do that. No, we're not, I'm not going to let you go over there. And we're trying to avoid certain situations and certain problems. Okay? And so how many of you are glad that God loves you so much that he is shining a giant spotlight on a path that leads you to life and joy and purpose and happiness? Me too. And so what I want to do is kind of as an introduction to the series is just go over a lot of different types of Proverbs that you'll see. Now, when I say the word proverb, I'm saying like there's sayings. It's like a saying. And, and so there's a book of Proverbs. There's, all, there's 31 chapters of Proverbs, so there's probably a 1,000 different Proverbs. But some of them are different styles. And I want to share, share with you some of the different styles or purposes of the Proverbs so you can just get, get more out of it as you study it. The first one is a, a, a first kind of proverb is a proverb that just makes a statement or a general observation. And I want to give you some examples today. And the first example of that would be Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. So here's just an observation. This is what this proverb is doing. It's just showing you something. It's telling you something. It says, wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out in the gateways of the city. She makes her speech. In other words, wisdom from God is not hidden. It's not secret. It's for everyone. And God's wisdom is being proclaimed. The problem is a lot of us aren't listening to it. Okay, but God's wisdom is not a secret. It's right here and it's right here. Our conscience can tell when we are, you know, walking in God's ways and when we're not. The problem isn't that God isn't speaking. The problem is that we're not listening. And so that's a proverb. It's an illustration saying, oh, no, 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 listen. God's wisdom, it's screaming. It's shouting. It's calling people. God is calling people to life. He's urging people, listen, heed, follow. This is the way. And yet in our culture, at least uh, here in America, you know, I see our culture more than ever in my lifetime, at least, not heeding God's wisdom, uh, deciding to reject God's, God's path. Okay, so there's some Proverbs like that that are just sharing observations, and, and inside we can be like, oh, yeah, I see that. Another category of Proverbs is Proverbs that evaluate conduct, and they, they tell us what's right and what's wrong. 
And there's a, there's a verse here, a couple verses in Proverbs chapter 1, that as you read through this passage, at the end of this kind of discourse, the Proverbs kind of conclude by saying this, that there's people that were not listening to that voice of wisdom. And when people don't listen to that voice of wisdom, here's what that looks like. It says in verse 29, Since they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. So the proverb says when you don't listen to God's word, when you don't follow his wisdom, when you reject what he's saying, then you're going to eat the fruit of your ways. And it's saying that's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good fruit because the very next verse, which is another um, type of proverb that I want to share with you, begins to tell about the consequences. So some of these proverbs will tell you, listen, if you do this, this is what's going to happen, good and bad. They'll say, hey, if you do this, this is going to be the result, which is a good thing. But if you do this, this is what's going to happen. So God's wisdom is being declared, and this is what happens when people reject God's word. The next uh, couple of verses. It says for, in verse 32, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. And so uh, if you think about the word simple, again, that's, a, that's another word for fool. The complacency, the laziness, the apathy of a fool or someone who's not going to heed God's word, that ends in their death. It will kill them. The complacency, the waywardness, going off trail will destroy them. How many of you have seen that in your own lifetime? Are people around us when they just are living life but without regards to God's wisdom and the decisions that they make? Uh, and I've done this. We've done this too. Making these bad decisions, going off path, you know. And then we look back and we say, how did I get here? What in the world's going on? Why do I have all these problems? And if we have some evaluation, you know, we just be honest with ourselves and we look back at some of our attitudes, our choices, our motives. All of a sudden we begin to see, oh, I just went off track. And look at where I'm at now. Look at what I'm suffering with now. We often think about that in terms of how Jesus said about the sower. Remember the sower? And you're planting seed. And our decisions, the Bible says, it's like seed. And we're planting seed all the time. And, and we're going to get back what we planted. Right? Whatever you sow, you reap what you, what you sow. And so a lot of times when I'm talking with people uh, who are in a tough situation. Maybe there's some trouble in their life. Uh, maybe there's some darkness in their life. There's some big problems. And they're ready for a change. They've come to their senses just like the prodigal son who ran away from God, but he said, wait a minute, I got nothing left. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. But my dad back at home, he treats the servants better than I. I'm being treated. I'll go back home. He came to his senses. He went home. On his way home, what does his dad do? Ran to him, threw his arms around him, welcomed him home, didn't give him a lecture or speech. And just like that, when a person gets to the end of their rope, the end of their wayward trail, and the, the pain is so great that they finally kind of have this epiphany or a, or a revelation that, wait a minute, what I'm doing's not working. And they come to God or they're trying to figure out how to come to God. And I sit with them and talk with them. I talk about this idea of sowing and reaping. I say, listen, you didn't get to where you are overnight. What you're experiencing right now was because of a bunch of decisions before that piled up. And now you're eating that fruit. But if you start planting different seed, if you begin to follow God, if you begin to do one little thing right after another, you're planting new seed, and pretty soon new crop will come up, new fruit, and your life can be totally transformed. How many of you have experienced some of that transformation in your life? Isn't that awesome? And that's the hope that we have. And so... Um, as we're talking about the consequences, we also go to the next category of this idea of comparing and contrasting. And, and so in this example, the very next verse, it says here, in 31 is the first part, it says, uh, or 32, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. And then it makes a comparison. But whoever listens to me, whoever follows my wisdom, 
This is the results that will happen. They will live in safety, be at ease without fear of harm. Wow, what a, what a dichotomy. What a, what a completely opposite experience in life. Those who don't listen to God, they're going to walk in this wayward path. It's going to destroy them. It's going to steal from them the quality that God had for them. But those who follow God will live in safety, will have peace. Other Proverbs talk about lying down and sleeping uh, in peace, not having worries. Like Dave was talking about, having that real peace, that real joy that we can have. Wow. So that's the big difference here. Um, so we have Proverbs that evaluate conduct, describe consequences, do this comparing and contrasting thing. And other Proverbs give us commands. And I love this. In Proverbs chapter 3, I want to walk you through a couple of these, where the Bible will give us the instructions and say, here's how you do it. Tim, you don't shoot a basketball with two hands. You shoot it with one hand. Okay? And so I, I, I didn't want to go through the effort, didn't want to go through the work to do that. But, you know, but a consequence in my life actually turned out to be a blessing. And, and I was making that change. In my life, though, just like yours, sometimes the heat has to be turned up a little bit before we're willing to make the change. You know, some people say the pain of whatever we're experiencing needs to be greater than the pain of change for us to change. Unfortunately, that's how it works sometimes. But it doesn't have to be that way. But sin itself, the waywardness itself, causes pain in our lives. It does break us. It hurts us. It harms us. And God, like a good father, he doesn't want you to go through that pain. He doesn't want you to have to learn the hard way. Uh, because he's not judging us, but sin itself, our waywardness, is what creates that pain in our lives. You know what I mean? So he's trying to, wisdom calling to us. Please listen. Please follow. And so he gives us these commands. I love these commands. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. So let's just think about that for a second. Do not forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart. So here's the command. Now, this isn't a command like, you better do this or else. This is a, you know, a principle of life. This is how you're going to be successful. So what is he saying? He's saying it's easy to go to church and hear a message and then go home and just kind of forget about it. Or you can read the Bible and you can just kind of buzz through it and then you can forget about it. Or you can do what we've been doing. Okay? We can meditate and memorize on the commands of God. And as we do that, God begins to burn it on our heart, change our perspective, and then a whole new fruit comes out of that process. And so that's what he's saying. He's like, listen, if you don't forget my teaching, if you hide my commands in your heart, verse 2 says, they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Isn't that awesome? How do you get long life? How do you have a prosperous life? By meditating and remembering and thinking about the word of God. So I've been doing you guys a favor these last two months, <laughs> trying to convince you to memorize and meditate on the Word of God. Why? Because I want to see you have a long, prosperous life. I want to see things go well for you. And God says if we do these things, it will go well with us. The Scripture itself will change our heart. It will change our whoa, footsteps. Nope, the Word of God's in my heart. I was going to go there, but now I'm going to go here because of that wisdom that's now in me. And that decision right there just changed the quality of my life. I was just about to make a mistake here, and now I'm going this way. Why? Because the commands of God are leading my footsteps, guiding my path. And I'm walking on a path that produces life, not pain and hurt anymore. You see that? That's how it's all connected. Proverbs chapter 3, let's do, um, how about this one? 5 and 6. There's a command, and then there's the blessing. There is the wisdom. And then if you do it, it unlocks the blessing. Many of you have this as one of your top scriptures, I'm sure, in your life. Many people, this is their favorite scripture. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Okay, in all of your ways, in every area of your life, acknowledge God. Make sure that God is the focal point and he's the authority and he will direct your path. He will direct your steps. 
That's a pretty awesome scripture, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not yourself. And as I was thinking about this between the services today, between first and second service, I was thinking about this a little bit. And I was thinking, really, if I was to summarize this, it would be Jesus (laughs) and it would be me in charge. Who's in charge? Who am I listening to? Who am I following? Who am I trusting in? If I'm trusting, because in the scriptures and in, in Proverbs, wisdom becomes personified. And it's, a, it's an accepted uh, church, you know, pastor belief that really wisdom is Jesus. When you're reading about wisdom in the Proverbs, you're reading that this is who Jesus is. He's the embodiment of wisdom. He is the word of God made flesh among us. He never made a mistake. He always did and said what his, he saw his father doing and saying. Yet there's another guy in the equation. This guy right here. Right here. This guy keeps trying to take over. This guy keeps thinking he's smart, smarter than God. This guy thinks that he can, uh, you know, go on his own once in a while. And that's folly. That's what this verse really says to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and not yourself. Put God first, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. If you don't do that, you're good luck, buddy, right? Good luck, buddy. You're, you're on your own. It's not going to go so well. And so that's a great promise, though. We can trust in the Lord. We sing that song. It's pretty powerful. You know, um, what was it that, what song was it? I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, I don't know. Something about following him. I don't know. Something like that. Okay. And uh, so we have all these beautiful commands in the Scripture. I want to give you one more out of chapter 3. And we'll probably stop with this. Uh, verses 9, or verses, yeah, 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, this was written, you know, a long time ago. Uh, probably... Almost 1,500, 2,000 years ago. It still applies to today. This is one of the reasons why uh, God has blessed me, because I've followed this principle. It's not talking about crops. I don't have a garden. I don't have a a farm. Uh, That's not what I do. Uh, It's talking about the increase, my first fruits of my increase. I was taught as a child to honor God, to recognize that everything that comes to me comes from God, and if I acknowledge him with the first, the tithe or the first fruits of that increase, I'm saying to God, God, I recognize all that I have is from you. And then his blessing comes upon everything else. And I have lived my life that way, and I am blessed. And it's another example of, of, of what I said a couple, maybe a month or so ago. We only believe the parts of the Bible that we actually do. But the parts that we do are the parts that are unlocking for us the blessings of God. Do you see what I'm saying? So do you believe him? Every promise you should be asking yourself, as we go through Proverbs, as we go through the Bible, as we look at verses and commands and promises and all that, we should be asking ourselves, do I believe? Am I living it? Or is there just even more, even more for me to begin to experience in God? God's, every one of his commands will lead you into more blessing, more favor, more health, more joy, more life. Every one. And the opposite question is something worth asking too. Is there any part of my life that's dark or broken or unfruitful? Because if there is, the fruit oftentimes will reveal the root, right? If I have bad fruit, then I'm not walking in that wisdom in that area of my life. There's no way. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you're walking in his wisdom in your life, you will experience life. You will experience goodness and, and favor. But if there's, a, if there's an area of my life that's broken or hurting or damaged, it doesn't mean I'm a fool. It means I haven't learned something. I could be missing something or I could be rejecting something. You see what I'm saying? It might be, I, don't need, I didn't even know that. 
When I was young growing up, I was surrounded by some great people. Uh, the founding elders of this church, all of them are still married to this day. And so now they're working on 35, 40, 40 some years of marriage. Uh, these are the people I was surrounded by. When, when I was trying to figure out how to do a married, marriage thing, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this thing called marriage. I'm going to do it. It took me a long time to talk myself into it. It took me longer to talk my wife into it at first. Once I talked her into it, like, you really like me, don't you? You really do like me. Come on, just say it. Just say it. That's true. It took me about eight, nine years to get her to like me. Anyway, once she did, then I'm like, uh-oh, do I do this thing? I was freaking out. But... You see, if you want to be successful in something like marriage uh, and you don't know exactly how to do it, you can get some help from the Bible and you can get some help from people who are living in that wisdom and prospering in their marriage. Right? So if you want some good help uh, in your marriage, you want to have a good marriage, don't go to somebody who's been divorced or someone who has a terrible marriage and ask them advice. That's not the person you want to, if you're struggling in finances, you don't want to ask someone who has no money and who's broke and say, what should I do? Does that make sense? You want to go to someone who's living in that wisdom and learns, because there's some things we just don't know. But there's other things that we know that God has spoken to us, and we said, no, I'm not, I don't want to do that. And really what we're saying is, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. So if it's either one of those, today I would encourage you to make a shift. Make a change. Do not pursue folly. Do not stay here in any area of your life. Cross over and trust in God. Surrender that to him so that that can come back to life. And you can have more, more of him in you. And for young people especially, please, begin to study the book of Proverbs. I'm telling you, if you live a life of wisdom, you will be so blessed. You'll be so blessed. You'll avoid so much trouble the more and quicker that you get God's wisdom into your life. Okay? We're going to close our service, and, and the worship team is going to come. And uh, this morning, I wanted to share one more thought with you. Jesus is, as he says in his own words, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the ultimate wisdom. And one of the truths about, about the Bible, and we memorized this verse last week in uh, John 11, uh, verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me uh, will, not, will live even though he dies. But the next verse there, uh, I want to read to you. Okay, verse 26. He says this, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Okay, let me say that again. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, what is he talking about? There's two different deaths that the Bible talks about here. And Jesus is referring to both of them. The first death is when our body stops working. And Jesus says, listen, if you believe in me, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live even though your body fails. Even though you die. You will live. How many of you are holding on to that promise? Okay, that's the resurrection. However, then he goes on to say something else that's very interesting. And he says, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die that's the second death. Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Okay, the Bible tells us that it is appointed for man to die once and then face the judgment. There's a day where we stand before God and our names are either written in the Lamb's book of life and we are covered by the blood of the Lamb because we have submitted, we have come under His Lordship, therefore we're covered by His sacrifice and his blood has forgiven us, and our name is in the Lamb's book of life, and we are forgiven, and we are saved, and we enter into life immortal, eternal with him and all others who have also declared faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's who I am. That's, that's the group I'm going to be with. Okay, if Jesus doesn't come back before this body stops working, I'm only going to experience the first death. But there's a second death. 
And the Bible says, for those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, for those who has rejected the ultimate wisdom of God, the saving power of God through Jesus Christ, those who have rejected the, the saving power of submitting their life to the Lordship of Jesus, their names will not be written in the Lamb's book of life. Because it's Jesus' book. And when you trust in Christ, he writes your name in his book. And when you don't trust in Christ, you are all, you're already condemned because of your sin. And so the Bible says those whose names are not written in the book of life will be picked up and they'll be thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. The, the verse I want you to meditate and memorize on this week is Proverbs 1.7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay? But fools despise wisdom and discipline. A fool will not submit to God. A fool will not submit to Christ as Lord. A fool will say, I got it. I'm my own man. Don't need that weak religion stuff. I'll take care of myself. A fool will declare, I don't need God. And they will experience the second death if that happens. But don't be... A fool. Don't do that. Submit to Christ. He is Lord. He's Savior. He came not to condemn us. He came to save us. He came to love us. He came to rescue us. He came to reunite us in, in our relationship with God. So today, if you're here this morning and you have not declared faith in Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm here to say today is a great day to do that. Today's a day for you to, to uh, you know, become wise and receive the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? And as we close, I want to extend that invitation to everybody in this room. I know many of you are regular attenders. I thank you for, you know, allowing me to do this every week because this is the most important decision for anyone who's here this morning and anyone who's visiting with us this morning. I never want to go without giving someone an opportunity to get right with God. You guys okay with that? Okay, and so this morning before we go, if there's anybody here that's ready to make that decision of Jesus, placing your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you bow your heads, please? And if that's you and you're ready to get right with God, can you raise your hand right now and just say, Pastor, that's me. I want to, I want to give my faith, I want to place my faith in Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's awesome. This is a, a great day for those who are getting right with God. And I'm going to ask the rest of us who are already believers just to, through your encouragement, pray this prayer with us out loud. And let's give our heart to him. Let's trust in him. Let's, be, let's just let his wisdom come and, and bring life to us. So let's pray this prayer together. Would you pray with me and say, Jesus, today I trust in you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me so I could be forgiven and spend eternity with you forever. Today, I'm no longer in charge. I surrender my heart to you. All of me to you, Lord. I'm all yours. Devil, you just lost me. I belong to Jesus. So Holy Spirit, fill me with your power, so I can live this new life, this resurrected life that you have for me, starting today. I choose you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your saving power, for saving us, for your mercy, for your mercy. One more prayer. Would you join me in this prayer? Just go ahead and bow your heads again. And if there's any area in your life, as we're talking about this, that you feel like, oh, man, why would you have to talk about this today, Pastor? <laughs> that there's an area in your life that you have been stiff-arming God's wisdom. You've been rejecting his wisdom. Any area in your life that's out of order, out of whack, that you're in charge of, you're not yielding or trusting to God in. But today, you're ready to pivot. You're ready to turn that back over to God. Let's just take a second right now to do that. Okay? To pivot, to turn 
from doing it your way to God's way is called repentance. We just repent. We just change. And then we surrender that to God. And we then begin to walk out his wisdom in that area of our lives. Even though it's going to take courage to trust in God, I want to give you the encouragement that it will always be way better than whatever you're doing right now for yourself. And so if there's anyone here this morning, uh, as our heads are bowed, I just want you to also just slip your hand up real quick if there's an area in your life that you're going to turn that over to God today. Okay, just slip your hand up. All right, thank you. Put your hands down, and let's just pray this prayer. Uh, I'm going to pray this over you. Just pray this in your heart with me. Lord, today we come to you, and we just uh, we recognize, Lord, that we, we have either through um, our own pride or through our own pain, Lord, we've been trying to do some stuff on our own. We've been trying to walk out this area or this issue, and we haven't really trusted you or followed your ways. And so today, Lord, we repent. We turn from owning that and trying to control that. God, right now we ask you to forgive us for, for trying to do it on our own. And right now we give it over to you, Lord, each one in this room who lifted their hands. Just surrender that to the Lord. Say, God, it's all yours. I give it to you now. And Lord, would you come and lift the, the weight, the fears, the sorrows, the pain that we've been experiencing. Would you lift that from us, Lord? Would you give us the reassurance that you're in control? That, Lord, our trust is in a good place. And now, Lord, would you speak to us and lead us and guide us into the steps that we need to take or, or anything like that. That we can walk in victory. We can have the courage to follow you and trust in you. And we just surrender it to you now and believe for your results of life and freedom and healing in Jesus' name. And now I bless you, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may the word of God dwell in you richly this week. May it bring life to you. May it guide you. May it give you wisdom. May you know what is right and just and fair in every situation. May you heed the Holy Spirit's voice in your heart. May you be a blessing to others. May you be blessed in your coming and going. And may all the work of your hands be blessed in everywhere you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. And. Uh,